This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 138. Everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face with Mark Lichtenfeld. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, welcome to our latest episode. I got a question for you. How do you prepare for the unpreparable? How do you prepare for the unpreparable? Do you have a contingency plan when everything goes crazy? Mike Tyson, famous boxer, is famous for saying, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. So what happens after that punch? What happens when you're seeing stars? Your ears are ringing. What do you do next? What's the next thing that happens? A lot of investors right now might feel like they've been punched in the face. Well, we certainly don't think you need to follow the crowd around here. We don't want you to be average. We want you to be awesome. Sometimes some of your money is locked up in the market beyond your control. Here's what I mean. For example, if you have a 401k at your current employer, you might not have a choice with where your money in your 401k goes. It might have to be somehow invested in the stock market, at least while you're employed with them. So oftentimes that 401k money can't even get out of the 401k until you leave your job. So what can you do with that money, that that money that's in the 401k while you wait to break it free? And even if you don't have a 401k at your current job, the stock market is not just one thing. There's actually lots of ways to put your money to work in the stock market in beneficial strategies that can help provide some security and income for your future, even in these turbulent times. And today I'd like to introduce one of those strategies to you. Now, we don't offer investment advice on this podcast, and we say so at the end of every episode, but uh, I think you'll find some of these strategies intriguing enough to do your own research to see if it's a good fit for you. Now, you'll have to go all the way back to episode four where we talked about the importance of building a financial pyramid, a financial foundation, so that you can can take risks at the top of the pyramid. You can enjoy investment returns at the top of your financial pyramid. If you've built your financial foundation, you can have fun at the top. And today we're talking about the top of the pyramid. A lot of our clients have asked us if now is the time to start investing in stocks. And again, we don't give investment advice on this show, but you might check out if some of these strategies will be uh, interesting enough for you to research more. And by the way, stick around for some really important updates on a recent law passed by Congress that has a significant impact on your retirement future and a way to even benefit from what they've recently passed uh, regarding the SECURE Act. So there's a lot of ground to cover. I think you're going to love today's guest. Our guest today is Mark Lichtenfeld. And he is the chief income strategist of the Oxford Club newsletter. After getting his start on the trading desk at Carlin Equities, he moved over to Avalon Research Group as a senior analyst. And over the years, Mark's commentary has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and the U.S. News and World Report, among others. Prior to joining the Oxford Club, he was a senior columnist at Jared Kramer's The Street. And today he's a sought-after media guest who's appeared on CNBC, Fox Business, and Yahoo Finance. 
His book, Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for double-digit returns, achieved bestseller status shortly after its release in 2012. Mark is the senior editor at the Oxford Income Letter, which is based on his proprietary 10, 11, 12 system. He's also the editor of Stock Sequence Trader, uh, Lightning Trend Trader, and Closing Bell Profits. He's the only published financial analyst to have ring announced World Championship Boxing on Showtime, ESPN, and HBO. So take it away, Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I got to jump right in here, Mark. You're the only published financial analyst to have ring announced World Championship Boxing on Showtime, ESPN, and HBO. So what's going on there? How did you end up um, announcing for these, uh, these tournaments, these events? So boxing has always been uh, a love of mine since I was a kid, and uh, it basically became a, a hobby as far as uh, I would do some freelance writing, and, and I'm talking about years ago, but I would do some freelance writing uh, covering fights for some of the magazines and websites, and kind of one thing led to another, and I, I said to a promoter one day, hey, if you ever need a ring announcer, let me know, and kind of out of the blue, he did. About six months later, he said, I have a fight on ESPN. Do you want to announce it? So I said, absolutely. And, you know, there, it was a combination of, of working hard at it and being in the right places at the right times and getting a little bit lucky to meet the right people. And within a, a fairly short period of time, I was yeah, on, on Showtime and HBO doing world title fights. So it was, uh, it, and it's a blast. I love doing it. I'm curious if you have any analogies or comparisons. Is there any, um, you know, those Venn diagrams, right? Uh, two, <laughs> two worlds of financial analysis and boxing. Are there any overlaps? Anything that you see is like strangely familiar? Well, sure. I mean, from, from the athlete's uh, perspective, if you're not prepared, you're, you're going to really get your butt kicked. So I think that's certainly the case in, uh, you know, in the stock market. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I put in a lot of preparation. I mean, it, it seems or might, might sound a little silly how much preparation do you need to get up there and, uh, you know, say what color trunks a guy is wearing and, and say his name and record. Uh, but I do put a lot of work into it, make sure I have the pronunciation of the guy's names right and just all, all my information is correct and that I can deliver the introduction or the results in a, a dramatic fa fashion. So, uh, you know, I, I, I basically approach analysis of the markets the same way as I approach ring announcing, which is, you know, be prepared, as prepared as possible, and understanding that in both situations, something very unexpected may happen, but at least I know I'm, I'm going in there prepared. There you go. Well, I'm thinking also about, uh, to your point, being prepared. What's that quote Mike Tyson's famous for saying, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face? Exactly. So you have uh, some very, very phenomenally in intriguing, insightful um, newsletters that you put out. Can you tell us a, a little bit about the Oxford Income Newsletter? Sure. So the Oxford Income Letter is designed for income investors or people who want to grow their wealth. So um, we invest in dividend stocks, uh, primarily what I call perpetual dividend raisers. So these are companies that raise the dividend every single year. And the, the beauty of that is if you're uh, collecting the income today, 
you know, if you're if you're retired and, and you need the income, you're getting a raise every year as the dividends increase. And if you're still in the wealth building phase where you don't need to collect the income right now, you can reinvest the dividends. And by investing in companies that are raising the dividend, it really accelerates the compounding machine. And the numbers can get quite large uh, over the years. And it's it's really the the easiest way that I know of to build wealth and also one of the safest. I mean, obviously, you know, as, as we've seen recently, stock market does have risk and, and stocks can go down. But if you're a long-term investor, investing in these kinds of companies and, and holding for the long-term is really a, a pretty conservative strategy, yet it, it, it delivers very strong results. Absolutely. Well, so dividends are something we talk a lot about on our podcast. Uh, we focus on the dividend-paying whole life contract, uh, which is different than dividends paid by stocks. Can you maybe make a distinction there? Or would you want to speak to what dividends are when we're talking about stock dividends? Sure. So when companies have ample free cash flow, uh, they they have a number of choices of what they can do with it. They can put it in the bank for a rainy day. They can... Uh, continue to grow their business. Maybe they open up new facilities, hire new people. They can acquire other companies. They can buy back shares or they can send some of the money back to shareholders in the form of dividends. And that can be you know, a one-time special dividend uh, or it can be a regular dividend. And so what we're focused on are the companies that are paying regular dividends. So quarterly dividends or in the cases of international stocks, usually it's uh, they pay twice a year. But you know these are these companies are have enough cash flow to continue to grow their businesses, but also to uh, to pay back shareholders with a a decent yield. I mean, we're not looking for uh, you know half a percent or one percent. Not that there's anything wrong with those dividend yields. They, that just doesn't fit our program. We're looking for three, four, five percent yields, uh, or even higher in some cases. So uh, it's really, and, and, and the reason this is important is because if a company is paying the dividend, particularly raising the dividend every year, they should have plenty of cash flow and growing their cash flow. And so, you know, over the long term, if you see a company that has raised their dividend year after year after year, chances are they're also growing their cash flow, which is, is obviously a, a very positive sign for a company and for its stock. So true. Yeah, you want to look for good, profitable companies. Uh, on the life insurance side of things, of course, the life insurance companies I typically point people to have a history of paying dividends without fail every single year for over a century, uh, even through the Great Depression, the 2008 crisis. Uh, and you know, very few stock companies have that kind of track record. I was reading, I guess, about a year and a half ago, what was it, GE uh, lowered their dividend by 92%, down to just one penny per share. Uh, can you give any, now we, we are going to get into some other topics. I know you and I talked, we have a lot to share about the secure act and an article mm -hmm. you recently wrote. Uh, so listeners hold on tight. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But, uh, you know, as you're looking at the landscape of dividend paying stocks out there, one, can you speak at all to the, the, you know, the stallions like GE that are cutting their dividends by severe rates like that? I mean, that has a big impact on retirees. Um, sure. but also who are these uh, cool companies that are raising dividends in times like these? 
So, yeah, so a company like GE, I mean, you're right, they had been uh, a very steady dividend payer for a long time, but it probably shouldn't have come as a, as a huge surprise that they cut the dividend to anyone following the company in the last few years. It, it really had been struggling. So, the, you know, the dividend cut didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, but there are plenty of companies that have raised their dividend every year for a long period. There's a, a group of stocks called the Dividend Aristocrats. Uh, there's about 50 of them. These are S&P 500 companies that have raised their dividend every year for 25 years or more. Uh, plus, there's about another, I believe, another 100 uh, or more companies that have raised their dividends for 25 years or more that are not in the S&P 500. Uh, and, you know, some of these companies have raised their dividends for 50 years. Uh, you know, companies like Procter & Gamble, um, there, there's, there's a host of companies that have raised their dividends for 30, 40, 50 years in a row. It's, it's, right. it's a remarkable track record. Uh, Genuine Parts is another company. I think they're over 60 years now. Fantastic. And, and then there are plenty of companies also that maybe they haven't done it for 25 years, but they've done it for five years or 15 years. So all in all, there's well over 300 companies that have raised their dividend every year for five years or more. Um, and, you know, like I'm saying, if you go out a little bit longer, you know, the, the 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, that includes the Great Recession. So there were plenty of companies, even during the Great Recession of 2008, 2009, that, that raised their dividend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the list here. It's available for anyone who wants to search for it. Coca-Cola has been around increasing their dividends for 56 years. Um, yeah, Caterpillar, 25 years, AT&T, 34 years, Abbott Laboratories, uh, right here in Chicagoland, uh, 46 years. So, you know, pick and choose, right? And, and again, there's a very big difference. The market, the stock market is not just one play. It's not just one strategy. You know, there are obviously uh, tech stocks that are doing a certain uh, run at profitability, but not necessarily there yet. Uh, you know, we've seen some recent um, initial public offerings of brand new stock companies that cratered as soon as they went public. These are all companies that aren't, maybe aren't producing profits yet. But you're talking about something different, Mark. You know, diff dividend paying stocks are established companies that are, you know, have so much extra um, in their, on their balance sheet that they're willing to share the profits with the shareholders. And that can provide an income stream in retirement. Is that, am I understanding that right? Exactly. And yeah, and, and as I was saying earlier, you know, the great thing about it is you get a raise every year. So you have an income stream. Let's say you own a stock with a, a three or 4% yield and you hang on to that stock. Not only are you getting capital appreciation over the years, because we do know that the stock market goes up over the long term, but you're getting an increased amount of income every year. And there are, you know, there are plenty of stocks that are raising that dividend. 6%, 8%, 10% or more per year. So if you can grab a stock where you're getting an 8% or 10% increase every year, I mean, I know, you know, anyone who's in the working world would be thrilled with a, an 8 or 10% raise every year. So that, you know, that's, right. that's the kind of thing we're looking for, a way to increase uh, income for our readers every single year. That's right. Well, you know, again, what's the point of investing? For some people, you have a different objective, for, but for many people, when I ask them, you know, what's important about a return on investment or ROI? And they tell me, well, they, I want more money in my account. Well, what's the point of more money in your account? 
Well, you know, if you really press them on that, they'll say, well, I want more income in retirement. And Mark, mm -hmm. what you're saying is, hey, heck, you know, these dividend paying stocks do that. You know, forget about return on investment. Let's just get a rate of income, ROI, rate of income. Uh, and that, you know, is solving the same problem, you know, regardless. I mean, but, you know, the aristocrats do seem to outperform the S&P as I look back on their track record. But more importantly, they produce an income with pay raises that you can, you know, rely on if you've balanced your portfolio. Very good. Yeah, the again, the the power is not in the um, the average return of the overall market, uh, right? I, I think the recent studies that I've seen, anyway, third party research says the the real investor returns are closer to you know three and a half to four percent over thirty years, according to Dalbar. Uh, but it's not about return on investment as much as it is, and that's great when you can get it, right? But we're not looking for that next high flyer. You're looking for that rate of income, that stream of income that increases uh, to help you keep up with inflation, just the overall cost of healthcare. I mean, everything else going on uh, in, in our world today. I want to change gears a little bit here and talk about something else that may not be so secure, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Secure Act. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the words the, that our government chooses mm -hmm. to name things almost help us know what they're trying to hide. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you know, what's so, what's so secure about social security, for example, uh, <laughs> as one example, or postal service, right? There's another one. Um, but tell me about the SECURE Act. We did a recent uh, uh, podcast episode on this uh, back in uh, December 2019, guys. Go back and listen to that. But Mark, you've written an article, and I had the privilege of being one of the point people at the end of that article uh, for your, your readers to come uh, talk with me about it. But what did you discover when you were researching the SECURE Act? And what does that actually do for folks who have IRAs? So the SECURE Act was passed, uh, I believe, 417 to 3 in the House. Uh, so, you know, overwhelming bipartisan uh, support. And on the surface, it sounds, it sounds great. The, they uh, raised the age for the required minimum distribution to 72 from 70 and a half. So you have an extra year and a half to let your, uh, your IRAs and 401ks and what have you grow tax deferred. So that's great. But what they buried deep in, into this act that you know, very few people are talking about except for financial planners is a, um, it, it makes me so angry that they did this because they basically changed the rules on people that were playing by the rules. So hmm. for anyone who had an IRA that was planning on leaving that to uh, their family uh, or to, to anyone else, uh, but, but someone who's going to leave that for, to be inherited, uh, they have changed the rules. It used to be that if you had an IRA and you passed away and you left it to your heirs, your heirs could then grow the money tax deferred until they reached the age of required minimum distribution. So, for example, if, if a parent passed away and, and left uh, some money to a child, let's say a child who's 40 years old, they could then grow, let that money grow until they were 70 years old. And as, so it's a way of, of helping pass on the estate and, and really uh, potentially setting up the next generation um, to really help them accumulate some wealth because that would grow tax deferred. Well, this, these were the rules and people played by them and they set up their accounts uh, because these rules were in effect. And then the government changed it so that the heirs only have 10 years to 
to withdraw the money. And the problem with that is, you know, many times the heirs will probably be in their prime earning years. So they will be probably paying a very high tax rate on this money. You know, if you're, if you're making, let's say, $100,000 and then you inherit a $500,000 IRA that you have to uh, withdraw within 10 years, um, you know, you're, you're, you'd be paying a higher tax rate on that money than as if you had perhaps uh, withdrew it at 70 or 72 when, you, you know, when, when the heir was retired. So you're paying a higher tax rate, you're paying taxes sooner on it, and you don't get to compound this money for nearly as long. So, you know, we, we can make arguments all day long on whether wealthy people should be allowed to do that or not. But the fact is, those were the rules and they played by them. And now the government simply changed it. They didn't say, well, from this point forward, any new IRAs that are established. It's, you know, whoever had an IRA and was planning their estate this way and their accounts, well, too bad. Now the rules are different. Wow. So, uh, it's really, really, um, I think a, a very dastardly thing that the government did. It's, it's a money grab on their part uh, to, you know, to, to grab tax dollars. Well, you know, dastardly is probably a kind word for sure uh, <laughs> of all the words you could have chosen there, Mark. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, to give our audience some example here, if you have, if you have a $500,000 IRA and you leave it to your non-spouse, right? So your children, basically, uh, you know, on a on pre-secure act, you would have paid your kids would have had to pay eleven thousand bucks a year uh, as the first year, right? And then it grows over that period of time. After the secure act, not eleven thousand, fifty one thousand dollars would have to come out in the first year, and beyond that, you know, fifty thousand, fifty one thousand, fifty three thousand. It increases until it's all spent, until that IRA is all the way out. All of that is being born for the first time. You're paying your taxes or your kids are paying those taxes. And Mark, you rightly bring up that your kids are very likely going to inherit that money right at their apex earning years. So the highest tax bracket they might ever be in. Wow. Mm. Uh, and, and you said it so clearly, you know, we play by the rules, but the government owns that IRA, right? They have the, the right to change. They made the IRA. They can change it. Uh, and folks playing by the rules now have to learn a whole new game. Uh, boy, that's a travesty or, um, Oh, there's lots of words we could come up with, but we'll just save that for another podcast. Uh, what are some uh, strategies that you mentioned in your article that may help with this or, or even take advantage of this? Well, you know, really, uh, I think one of the things that people can do is take, uh, take the money uh, from their IRA. Now, they will, now, if they withdraw the money, they will have to pay tax on it um, you know, currently. But then you put that into an insurance policy, and that way, when uh, you pass away, the as you know, insurance uh, proceeds are tax-free. So uh, the heirs can inherit that money that you know that you took from your IRA. Uh, they would then inherit that, and that would be tax-free, and they can you know do with it what they like. They can then invest it in let it grow tax deferred for years themselves, or they can do what they like with it, but uh, they won't be taking that, the tax it. Now, like I said, you know, you'll have to pay the taxes on it. Now, Uncle Sam's going to get his money one way or the other, but at least it doesn't put a huge tax burden on your heirs in the future. Very good. Yeah. You know, who would this be a perfect fit for and who might this not work for Mark in, in your experience? 
Well, I think that it, it works for kind of the, per, the type of person we were talking about that's going to have a, a large IRA that they were planning on leaving to their kids uh, or grandkids and, um, and can afford to pay the, the tax that they would have to pay on it now for anything that they withdrew. Uh, it, it, would, you know, it would not be appropriate for obviously somebody who, who is still using their IRA and maybe planning on, on leaving some to the, to the family at some point if there's still money left over. But you know, anybody who needs that IRA today uh, should not liquidate it and put it into an insurance product for their family later on. You know, they, they need the money today. They should use it. Right. Yeah. The tax nature of whole life insurance or any life insurance is that that income uh, tax-free death benefit can almost replace or even sometimes exceed the original IRA balance. You know, so if you started with half a million bucks in an IRA tax deferred, uh, yes, exactly. You take the money out. Um, it will be taxed as you take that money out while you're alive. But then as you put it into life insurance, that death benefit is then left to your heirs, which might even be greater than, depending on your age and health and everything, the death benefit might even be greater than 500000 by the time you pass away. And that's all received by your heirs without any taxes due. Um, wow, great. Very cool, Mark. Is there anything I'm missing there or any other things to consider with that strategy? Um, I mean, I, I think it's, it's pretty basic. You obviously want to speak to uh, a professional about it. Uh, because there's lots of different types of policies that have all kinds of variables and, and things that you know may be right for you or may not be. So you you want to understand all the options and the costs involved, and, and certainly the tax uh, you know the tax the tax implications. Um, but so you know anything anything related to taxes, uh, I always recommend speaking to a professional, whether it's a, a tax professional or. A financial planner or insurance professional, you know, somebody who, who's very familiar with, with the products and, and all the uh, ramifications of uh, investing in those products. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and then the, the question I have, I guess, as we wrap up here is how can folks dive deeper into your insights, your, your strategies, your uh, approach to investing and financial strategies? Uh, you've got uh, a website I think that you work on. Tell us a, a little bit about what you can offer folks and where folks can find you if they want to learn more. Sure. So we have a, a free website called wealthyretirement.com and uh, go to the, the site and uh, sign up for free. And uh, every day there's you know, different content on stocks, on fixed income, uh, on retirement strategies, uh, ways to save money. Uh, once a week, we actually do uh, I do a column called the safety net that's on Wednesdays where we analyze the safety of a company's dividend. So, you know, if somebody is, is worried about the next GE, they, they submit the ticker and I'll take a look at it and tell you if you have to be worried or not. So, uh, yeah, I encourage people to go to wealthyretirement.com. And then if you're on Twitter and uh, want to hear about uh, my thoughts during the, the trading day, feel free to track me down on Twitter. I'm at stocks boxing stocks the letter n like nancy boxing and you're very active on twitter and you're very prolific on on uh, both the oxford club and also uh, wealthyretirement.com it's a great website and uh, you've also just written a book late last year uh, you don't have to drive an uber in retirement uh, can you tell us about what we can expect in that book or or anything else uh, that uh, that book entails 
Sure. So that book is, is broken up into a couple of different parts. The first one is about investing, and I, I do talk about my dividend investing strategy uh, and, and some other, other things you can do to invest and increase your income, uh, including some kind of out-of-the-box ideas too, things that are, are not necessarily stock market related. Uh, and then I also have some, some other tips on saving money. Um, and the whole idea is, is the book is, is designed to show you ways that you can maintain your lifestyle, uh, but without having to get a job in retirement. So, you know, it's, it's not about clipping coupons and, and not going out to eat. It's, it's kind of the opposite. It's here's how to go out to eat uh, to your favorite places and, and not worry about that you're not going to have enough money in retirement. You bet. Yeah, you want to get a pay raise after you leave your day job. Um, exactly. And you're not, you're, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not actually managing portfolios for folks. So you have, in some ways, sort of an unbiased, I don't want to say unbiased, but you, you, have, a, you have a very objective opinion uh, on the market, what stocks to choose. Am I incorrect in saying that? No, you, you are correct. So yeah, we do not manage money. Um, we are a newsletter publisher. So, uh, so yeah, so we can come at that, come at our, uh, we can, we can look at the market with a, a very unbiased eye because really the only way we make money is by keeping our readers happy. So, you know, we do not accept compensation from companies that want to be profiled, um, or anything like that. So the only, only way we make money is by readers being happy with their subscriptions. So, uh, our, our motivation is to provide the best content and make our readers as much money as possible. I love it. And you've got great tools on wealthyretirement.com, the dividend reinvestment calculator. Uh, you can look at your retirement readiness. Uh, you can look at the compound interest calculator. Lots of great things for our listeners to go check out at wealthyretirement.com. Mark, thank you very much for being on our show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So there's a few takeaways I want to really touch on as we wrap up our episode today. Uh, thank you again, Mark, for being on our show today. Uh, one of the things I noticed, or I guess was re reflecting on, was there's a lot of uh, insurance companies that have paid dividends for century, you know, over a century, and there's a lot of stock companies that are long-standing dividend payers as well. So you don't you know, need to necessarily care about the stock market price of that stock if all you're interested in is the income that that stock dividend uh, can bring you in the form of dividends. Uh, so that was one of my big takeaways and something I was reflecting on from this interview uh, was just the power of a stream of income, regardless of price. You know, it's sort of like a rental apartment building. It doesn't matter how much the value of that real estate goes up or down, as long as the rent checks keep coming in. So that's one little takeaway I had. Uh, another thing that I caught was there's really nothing secure about the SECURE Act. Uh, find a way to move money out of IRAs. Uh, if that's something that's troubling you, if that's a concern you have, we've had a number of conversations with clients and folks learning more about this unsecure act, as it were, uh, because if that IRA is left and inherited to your children, the IRS gets to take the lion's share, especially if you have two or more children. Uh, and there is no more stretch IRA provisions, as we learned. So finally, if you'd like a copy of the article that Mark uh, Lichtenfeld wrote to move from taxable IRAs to tax-free life insurance, which features our firm, Light Growth Financial Services, just email us at hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. And in your email, ask for the Oxford Club article, and I'd be happy to send you a copy. 
So remember, tomorrow is our big webinar. We don't do a lot of these, and we might not ever release this to the public, but we're doing a private webinar tomorrow, April 25th, at 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So again, that's tomorrow, Saturday, April 25th. There are a few seats left. We do keep them limited so that you and all of us can participate together. We're going to be talking about what you can do to build real wealth in turbulent times. So come on to that uh, webinar tomorrow if you can make it at 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Finally, let's do a listener shout out. Jim T2929 writes, I wish I'd found this concept 30 years ago. If only I had knew of this bank on yourself concept years ago when I was putting money into my 401k and losing control of my money for decades. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Jim. That means a lot, man. And uh, I'm happy to be working with you. Uh, so let's keep on the revolution. Finally, let's talk about our question of the month. What concerns you most right now about your retirement? So the question I'd love to hear from you is what concerns you most about your retirement right now? And you can go to speakpipe.com slash NYAFP. You can find that link in our show notes. Again, the question is what concerns you most about your retirement right now? So thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.